This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee on day 42 of the 60-day legislative session. We have entered the final three weeks. After a marathon meeting that went on more than eight hours, the Senate Appropriations Committee approves House Bill 1, the anti-protest bill that no one really seems to like. The bill itself really is an attempt to suppress the oppress. Florida had a chance with this piece of legislation to rise above it all. We've chosen not to do that. None of you have even a half-assed reason to vote yes, because everybody who's going to be voting yes in the majority have never had to worry about what water fountain, what bus seat, what school they had to go to. For now, it appears the people who support HB1 are the governor and GOP leaders in the legislature, but really, that's all it takes to pass the bill. Over the past week, Florida had 42,407 new cases of coronavirus and 347 newly reported fatalities. But when you compare that to the previous week, the number of deaths was down while the number of new cases was up. And there's something fishy about the fatalities. We'll talk about that later. North Florida Congressman Matt Gates has been getting a lot of coverage lately, the kind most lawmakers would be ashamed of discussing. But not Gates. He talked about those allegations during a speech in South Florida. If you want something said, get a man. If you want something done, hire a woman. We'll have your Cliff Notes version of the speech during today's installment of the Sunrise Soapbox. How would you spend $3.5 billion from the federal government with no strings attached? Would you believe fixing state buildings and other properties? The technical term here is deferred maintenance. Nothing you're ever going to write about. It's not a very sexy topic. Nobody gets to show up at a ribbon cutting that says, look at the brand new roof. No one does that which is why we focused on it. Today on Sunrise, you'll hear the House Speaker's spirited defense of deferred maintenance. We'll also have your calendar of political events and the story of a Florida woman who crashed her car and told police she was Harry Potter. You know, it might have been funny if not for that federal judge she ran over on the sidewalk. But first, a word from the sponsors. You're listening to the Sunrise podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. This public health crisis has shown our one-size-fits-all education system does not meet the needs of every child. Senate Bill 48 rethinks education and provides needed flexibility for students and families, giving students the tools and resources they need to unleash their potential. You can make a difference and improve our education system by visiting fledreform.com to tell your lawmaker to support SB 48. Paid for by Americans Prosperity Florida. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Monday, April 12th. This is National Grilled Cheese Sandwich Day. It's the 21st birthday of David Hogg, the student from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School who survived the mass shooting at Parkland and went on to become a national leader in the campaign to put more limits on firearms. On this date in 1861, Confederates attacked Fort Sumter in South Carolina, starting the American Civil War. In 1954, Bill Haley and the Comets recorded Rock Around the Clock. And on this date in 1961, Russian cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin became the first person to orbit Earth. The Florida Department of Health announced more than 5,500 new cases of COVID-19 Sunday, but there is something odd going on with the fatality count. According to the state's official dashboard, there were only seven additional deaths reported Sunday. But it also shows there were 12 deaths reported in Miami-Dade alone, and the death tolls actually decreased in Broward and Palm Beach. Can't wait to hear the official explanation for that. 
a controversial bill that was concocted by the governor as a response to last year's Black Lives Matter demonstrations, is headed for the Senate floor. Senate President Wilton Simpson of Trilby used a procedural move to bypass the criminal justice and judiciary committees and sent it directly to the Budget Committee Friday, giving opponents just one chance to speak against it. The witness room was packed. The debate lasted more than eight hours. The governor says he wants to punish violent protesters. It would create a new crime of mob intimidation and enhance penalties on riot-related offenses. But Trish Neely, with the League of Women Voters, says the language is so vague that just about anyone could end up facing a felony charge if they are part of an organized protest. On behalf of the League of Women Voters, let me just say that we believe this bill is anti-protest, anti-First Amendment, and anti-American. We believe it's not necessary. We already have laws on the books to address rioting, insurrection, treason, assault, and battery. The rights to protest and express dissent is foundational to our government. You can't stand for freedom and liberty and support this bill. House Bill 1 will have a chilling impact on protest and free speech. Racism exists. Believe it. Fight against it. We urge you to vote no against this bill. Diana Shanks of Pasco County is a daughter of the Confederacy, but she says the provision in HB1 that protects Confederate monuments is shameful. I've always admired the suffragettes, those brave women who took the streets and did not stop until they won for us the 19th Amendment, which gave women like me the right to vote and to stand before you today. If this law had existed back then, it would have penalized those courageous women. But I know that when you think about who this bill was written to silence, you're not picturing those women or women who look like me. You're picturing black people because we know that that's who this bill is going to disproportionately impact. We know what monuments this was written to protect and which people you want locked up for 15 years with no voting rights for tearing them down. I'm the daughter of a Southern Baptist preacher and the great, 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 great granddaughter of one of the 11 men who was with Robert E. Lee when he surrendered to Ulysses S. Grant at Appomattox Courthouse. I'm his daughter of the Confederacy as it gets. Those statues are racist, and it should be our honor to destroy the monuments of racism. To go out of your way in this bill to protect them is racist, clear as day. The faith community is also opposing this bill. Reverend Russell Meyer with the Council of Churches says Jesus would have been jailed under HB1. Jesus had to speak in front of Pilate before the state executed him for uh, his disruption, what would have constituted a riot in the temple uh, the day when he tried to take down injustice in his own time and place, who in fact would be arrested and incarcerated under HB1 if it were enforced today. Speaking the truth at a time when it's not welcome is the hallmark of our faith. Law enforcement's major narrative from the very beginning and founding of this country was to manage brown and black and indigenous bodies. And nothing that we have done in our society has disrupted the continuation of that narrative. I'm not interested in hearing you speak about good and bad actors and sorting out the bad actors until we address the fundamental reality That our narrative around policing is predisposed to disparity against people whom we do not consider part of the white 
majority. Senator Audrey Gibson of Jacksonville says this is not about law and order. It's about silencing people who are being ignored by the powers that be and driving another wedge into a divided community. I want unity, too. And I don't believe this bill fosters unity. I believe we've made big strides since the presidential election towards unity. And this just creates a wedge. The bill itself really is an attempt to suppress the oppressed. Because the idea is not to have anyone march at all or protest at all. Senator Jason Pizzo chairs the Criminal Justice Committee, one of the ones that was cut out of the process by the Senate president. And Pizzo didn't like it one bit. He wanted more hearings on the bill because he believes white lawmakers need to understand this from a different perspective. I need two Republicans to ask who you serve. If you're in the United States Marine Corps, it's unit corps God country. If you're United States Army Reserve, it's twice the citizen. I serve my family, and then I serve my constituents. That's the order. I don't serve my party leader or my party or any other branch. So where on the list are the people that you owe service to? If it's to your constituents, they've overwhelmingly said this bill is horrible. But if you serve a different master, then I guess you vote yes. HB1 doesn't have a single person speaking in support of it. Not a single one. This bill, this bill and you can tell me in your closing if you disagree, Senator Burgess, if this bill is anything more than perhaps a bullet point on a 2022 or 2024 campaign mailer for somebody else. It's not organic. It's not authentic. No law enforcement officer ever came to us and asked us to do this. In the offseason before this session, not a single sheriff or police chief said, when you get back there, please protect the good men and women in blue because they're helpless out there. Not a single one. In fact, the governor bragged about the fact that what happens in other places would never happen here. There's 47 years of law enforcement experience in my office. We, we, we live this stuff. I don't fault you for not knowing it. But I do fault the premise that you don't understand and appreciate what this means in application for black and brown teenagers. A yes vote on this bill, I will tell you squarely, and in so much as I'm able to affect this, puts you on the wrong side of history. Vote no. It's the right thing to do. It is the just and right thing to do. And I only tell you this, it's such the right thing to do to vote no, that none of you, none of you, have even a half-assed reason to vote yes. Because everybody who's gonna be voting yes in the majority have never had to worry about what water fountain, what bus seat, what school they had to go to. Senator Pizzo did find one Republican who was willing to go against his party leaders. Senator Jeff Brandis of St. Petersburg says he voted against HB1 because it should have been so much more than just a knee-jerk reaction. I see this bill really as a missed opportunity. And it starts out with the first line. It's called the anti-riot bill. What if we just had a little paradigm shift and called it the public safety bill. We perpetuate this kind of win-lose mentality that is perpetuated in our political culture right now. But what if we paused for a minute and decided we would come up with a bill where both, both sides felt like their voice was heard and that they both were winning? Because I think there are some positive aspects of this bill. 
but they're far outweighed by the concerns drawn by individuals. This bill continues to kind of dive right into the current political climate. And I think that's what I hope the Senate wouldn't be. Florida had a chance with this piece of legislation to rise above it all. but We've chosen not to do that. The Senate falls right back into that win-lose mentality. It doesn't need to be this way. We can stop it today. We could listen to both sides. And we could find a bill we could all support. My no vote is not about what's in this bill, but more about what this bill could have been that it's not. Senator Daryl Rousson of St. Petersburg has been protesting injustice since he was a kid, and he says some lawmakers will never understand because they've never had to deal with real racism. The purpose for protesting is to bring about real change, to disrupt the status quo, to bring attention, awareness, to bring the light of equity to the darkness of injustice to motivate movement from stagnant discrimination, to interrupt unfairness and cause an eruption of justice. And when a people feel wronged, they are inspired to protest. The people in my district are concerned, as well as all of the ones who testified today, the people across this state of Florida are worried about the chilling effect of this bill. This bill is unnecessary, it is not needed. The laws are already on the books that can be enforced. The Florida law is adequate. It's gonna fall down to a misapplication of the law. And we know that black and brown will suffer disproportionately because we've seen it. We know the data. And when people feel locked out locked out of decency, locked out of respect, locked out of due process, they react. This bill has a chilling effect on their reaction. The only real defense of the bill came from the appropriations chair, Senator Kelly Stargell of Lakeland, and she chose her words very carefully for fear of being labeled as a racist. I'm all for the right to speech, and I'm all for the right to protest, and as much as I don't like it when someone takes a knee during the national anthem, I protect their right to do it, and I understand the ability, the, the desire to, to make a stand and to break the rules. That is all something that is very supported. But to destroy somebody else's property, something that they have worked hard for, something that they have struggled through. So this bill is about that type of behavior. It wasn't pushed upon us by, at least not by me, by the governor. So I protect that fight to, that, 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 that right to the speech, to the protests, to the ability to rise up and to complain, but I will not stand here and protect the right for someone to make that cause by destroying someone's car, by burning down someone's building, by getting in someone's face and saying, you need to say these words or I'm gonna punch you. Those things I will not support. When that type of behavior happens, it's, it, it goes against everyone. It's not fixed at a certain person or a certain, a certain race. They burn down anyone's building. They burn anyone's car and they marginalize the very cause that people are protesting and fighting for. That is what this bill is about. And let's not let that get lost in the conversation of race and protest and the right to rise up. I support that. This bill is not about someone's opportunity to free speech. This bill is not about someone having the opportunity to protest. This bill is about not allowing somebody in that moment and in that passion 
destroy other people's property and other people's rights and other people's things in their life that were valuable to them. The bill passed out of appropriations on a vote of 11 to 9 and is now headed for the Senate floor. Final passage is expected in relatively short order. Looks like the governor will get his trophy bill of the 2021 session. The state will be getting about $10 billion from the feds as part of the American Rescue Plan, and the state can spend it on just about anything. There's enough to eliminate the waiting list at the Agency for Persons with Disabilities, which contains more than 20,000 names. It could be used to draw down more federal health care funding or raise teacher salaries. But legislative leaders don't want to do any of that. They have other plans. House Speaker Chris Sprowls wants to put billions in the bank as part of the state reserve fund and set aside $3.5 billion to fix up state buildings that haven't been maintained properly for years. He calls it deferred maintenance. You know, you can't you can't make non-recurring money somehow recurring, right? It's it's one-time money that the federal government has sent down. So so for example, you say, you know, deferred maintenance, and Chairman Trumbull, I think, characterized it correct, which is what the House's proposal was, was to look at the items that are one-time things. This is one-time recur not you know, non-recurring money that has been sent down from the federal government. So what are the one-time needs of the state? that we can invest in realizing that there's not going to be another $3.5 billion behind the $3.5 billion in deferred maintenance. So to answer your question about deferred maintenance, the answer is absolutely. I know that's shocking that we have that much money uh, out there in deferred maintenance on the things that we own as a state, but we do. One of the reasons that, you know, in, in conversations with Chairman Trumbull and the committees and we decided to include that is exactly for that reason. You know, it's not something that politicians get terribly worked up about. You know, I ran for office and we're going to do deferred maintenance. Probably not something you're ever going to hear, nothing you're ever going to write about. It's not a very sexy topic. Nobody gets to show up at a ribbon cutting that says, look at the brand new roof. No one does that, which is why we focused on it. Because if it's going to be one-time money in this sum, this is an opportunity for us to get, you know, this massive snowball that's heading our direction of all these buildings and things that we haven't, you know, know, prepared to fix and begin to do that. It may seem a bit callous to argue that building maintenance is more important than health and human services, but let's be honest about this. Lawmakers have always found a way to rationalize institutional neglect of people. At least they won't be neglecting the buildings, right? On the same day, the House Ethics Committee announced it was opening a probe into allegations of sex trafficking and other misconduct against Panhandle Congressman Matt Gates. He was a featured speaker at the Save America Summit in Miami, where Gates insisted he was not going anywhere and that the allegations against him are nothing more than wild conspiracy theories. Here's the condensed version of his 17-minute speech in 120 seconds. We have your back. That is the sentiment I have heard from thousands of Americans at restaurants, walking through public parks, sometimes just out on the street, in emails, online donations. And I can't tell you how much it means to me. This past week has been full of encouragement. From President Trump, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and Jim Jordan, to the MAGA nation that shares so much love. So let me assure you, I have not yet begun to fight. For the country I love, and for the nation that I know benefits, from America First Principles. I'm built for the battle, and I'm not going anywhere. The smears against me range from distortions of my personal life to wild, and I mean wild, conspiracy theories. I won't be intimidated by a lying media, and I won't be extorted by a former DOJ officials and the crooks he is working with. The truth will prevail. Big government, big tech, big business, big media, they'd all breathe a sigh of relief 
if I were no longer in the Congress fighting for you. I am the only Republican in Congress who doesn't take any money from federal lobbyists or political action committees. Their money is no good with me. And that scares them. And you know what? It should. They lie about me because I tell the truth about them and I'm not gonna stop. So when you see the leaks and the lies and the falsehoods and the smears, when you see the anonymous sources and insiders forecasting my demise, know this, they aren't really coming for me. They're coming for you. I'm just in the way. The sex scandal doesn't appear to be hurting Gates at home. A GOP firm called Victory Insights surveyed 400 registered Republican voters and found more than three out of five believe his denial of wrongdoing. When asked if they believe Gates is guilty, more than 63% of them said no. When asked if he should resign, 72% said he should not quit. Florida Woman and your calendar of events are next on the Sunrise Podcast. In Florida, if you fall behind on court debt payments, the state takes away your driver's license. But if you can't drive, you can't work. So how can you make enough money to pay the debt? This policy makes no sense. Let's end debt-based license suspensions and help Florida get back to work. Welcome back to the Sunrise Calendar. The Revenue Estimating Conference meets at 9.30 to talk about a tax collection enforcement diversion program. That's followed by a meeting at 10 to review the monthly revenue estimates. The House Democratic co-leader, Evan Jenny of Dania Beach, will join Representative Fentrice Driscoll of Tampa at 10 for an online media availability to talk about issues of the week in the legislature. Also at 10, the Public Service Commission Nominating Council will interview five candidates to replace Julie Brown on the PSC. Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed is holding a news conference in Hialeah at 2 to talk about illegal gas pump skimmers and gas pump security legislation. The Senate Regulated Industries Committee meets at 3 to take up two bills that would create a state gaming control commission and do away with that requirement that paramutual facilities conduct live horse racing or highlight games in order to offer more lucrative car drums. Today is also the deadline for candidates, political committees, and parties to file reports showing campaign finance activity through the end of March. And finally today, a Florida woman who told police her name is Harry Potter is charged with vehicular homicide. Her real name is actually Natasha Snape. And police in Delray Beach say the 23-year-old woman was driving erratically when her vehicle swerved onto a sidewalk and killed 75-year-old Sandra Feuerstein, a federal judge from New York. Police say she continued driving and hit a 6-year-old boy in a crosswalk. After she crashed in Delray, police say they found a synthetic drug commonly known as bath salts in her purse. They are known to cause psychotic behavior. That's it for today's installment of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics. (laughs) 